So, um, guys, so we're in this, the hero series, and we're looking at the different heroes of the Old Testament. And so we're bringing them out, but then we're bringing the New Testament principles. And one of the things that I really want you to hear, and, and if, if the young people in this room, um, how many youth, how many singles? If you are single in this room, you're a single Pringle ready to mingle, raise your hand. Whether you're young, old, in between. Single Pringles ready to mingle. Okay, very good. Okay, so... I need you, single Pringles, to really take some good notes today. Hear me? Take some really, really good notes. Um, my grandma told me when I was in high school, I remember going um, over to my grandma's house and she was getting on to me because, uh, you know, I, I had, um, I was chasing uh, girls and running around and, 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 um, and she, she, she stopped and she goes, Daniel, let me tell you something, you need to hear me. And, and I remembered, so I'm just, I did listen to my grandma. Uh, when my grandma spoke, I, I definitely listened. Um, she said, Daniel, there's two decisions in your life that will impact your life more than any other two decisions in your entire life. First, giving your life to the Lord. That is the number one most impactful decision you will ever make in your life, giving your life to Jesus. And the second is who you choose to marry because you will spend every day with them until you meet Jesus, <laughs> you know, so, so, uh, you know, so, so that's the, that, that's the thing, and so here's the thing, I want you to think about it, every person in here has two things, major things in your life we all have in common, so if you are a, a student, guess what, you go to school, and you go home, you have a home life, if you're, if you're out of school, you have the workforce and home life, Every one of us has a home life. Even if you're single, living by yourself, you still have a home life, and hopefully one day you might have someone else in there if that's what your hopes are, or you say, you know what, one's enough in this house. So, you know, but I'm wanting you to understand, so what we're looking at today is this. Samuel gives this great truth. There is more to a man or to a woman, to a person, than what meets the eye. It makes me think of Transformers. More than, okay, so anyways, moving along. So, but I'm wanting you guys to understand is that this applies to all relationships. So, of course, it applies to like boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage, all that kind of stuff. So, this really applies to that. So, if you're the single Pringle in the room, make sure that you're taking good notes. Because here's the thing. Like, I've got four, three, I have three teenage daughters. One, almost a teenager right? And they don't listen to me anymore. So I'm speaking to everybody else's teenage daughter. As a father, I look at my girls, and and so here's the thing. As a man, I'll just completely be honest with you. As, As a man, I believe that men will be held into a higher account when we stand before God. Because God placed us as a leader of a home. We are supposed to be the leader of the home. So therefore, I will be held in a higher account because of how I led my family. So my greatest fear is that my girls won't make a wise choice in who they end up spending the rest of their life with because he's supposed to lead them. And how that goes can ruin an entire life. And some of you sitting in this room have already had that happen to you. And the young people still don't listen, right? So, it also, this, this, this sermon also 
works with friends, who you choose. When you make a friend and you're like, you're my friend, you're placing that friend into your circle of influence and they will have a direct impact. If you're a boss hiring people, these people that you hire for this work represent you, your business, and the things that you've put forward. So here's what I want. This passage, don't forget this. This passage, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, says this. Bad company corrupts good character. Every one of you should memorize that passage. Bad company corrupts good character. When you surround yourself with people that that lack integrity and character, they will drag you down. That's exactly what the Bible's teaching. Now, does it mean that I'm mean to people who don't share my same values? Absolutely not. I love them, but I'm loving them from a distance. I am not walking down the road you chose. I don't want it. So if I'm going to spend time with people, I want to find people who share the same values that I have. All right? So, moving forward. Let me ask this question now. Where do all relationships start? Like like boyfriend-girlfriend relationships, we'll use that as an example. Because I know where they all start. They all start with a physical attraction. Because you don't know them. You're walking down the hallway. I remember, okay, so, so here's the thing. I was at college. I was a senior in college, SBU, Southwest Baptist University. I was a senior. You know, I had a, I had a peacock strut about me. And, uh, and I walk into the, the welcome center, and this little blonde comes out, and she, calls, she says, Danny. And I look over. There is a smoking hot blonde who knows my name. I look at her. I'm like, woo, she's finer than frog's hair. I'm like, woo, yeah. And then she's like looking at me, and I'm like, I don't have a clue who she is. I'm like, whoa, how can I forget a girl who looks like that? I mean, like, what's wrong with this guy? So she's like, Danny. And then I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. She's like, you don't remember me? I'm like, I want to. I really want to. How about you and me? We'll go out to eat, and you can tell me all about you. I'm all ears. I mean, right now, and eyes. But the reality is this is that the first thing I noticed about Barbara was she was smoking hot. The first thing, because I didn't know her. I didn't even know her name at that point. I was just like, I want to. I'll be your huckleberry. She might have been, she might have been another Danny, but I went, I, I changed my name. I did. That day I was like, I used to be Gerald. Now I'm Danny. So, no, I'm just I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But what I'm wanting you, <laughs> what I'm wanting you guys to understand is this, is that when, when you, the first thing in a relationship that you notice before that relationship becomes established, the first thing where it all starts is an attraction, a physical attraction. That's also the scariest part. Because you don't know anything about them. You don't know nothing about them. You just know that you're physically attracted to the person. You don't know if they really truly love the Lord or not. And see, here's what happens is too often people compromise the values and character they are looking for in someone because of how they look on the outside. They find somebody and they're like, wow, that person's so attractive. I'm so attracted to them. And so then they try to become who they think the attractive person wants. That's terrible. Because what you're doing is you're compromising who you are. Here's the deal. If you don't believe in God, make it public. I don't believe in God. Then at least the other person can know that. Don't ever compromise for the way that somebody looks. Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to, we'll get there. I got a verse for, that's later. That's later. So, 
All right, here we go. So what are the quali- qualifying factors of a relationship? This is friendship, this is this, whatever relationship you want to put in there. What we're going to do is we're going to start with what are not qualifying factors. I'm going to start there. So we're looking at, the, at Samuel. Samuel, um, he, he crossed the line of many people. So we saw Samuel when he was a boy. We talked about him as a boy. Um, he had been tasked with anointing Saul as the king. We know last week that Saul was rejected by God as king. So then the Lord comes to him, and here it is. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. Okay, He was the leader of Israel for a long time. He's getting old. He can't keep doing it. So what's the natural progression? I'll have my kids do it. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And then uh, they served in Beersheba. Um, but his sons did not follow his ways, right? They didn't follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. They accepted bribes, perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together, come to Samuel, and they said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as the other nations have. So the first, your last name does not qualify you. See, one of the things when I, I was growing up, I was so like I was so proud to belong to the Yoder family. My my grandma and my grandpa, um, you know, when my parents split up and they got divorced, my, my grandma and grandpa, we lived right next door to them, and they did so much in my life, you know, when my mom was struggling and my dad was struggling, and so I had you know, the grandparents that were, that were right there in my life. And one of the things, you know, I, I was like, I was proud to be that. But the thing is, is that just because I had the last name Yoder doesn't mean that I did everything that, 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 that they did. Have you ever noticed that you can be a super godly person and your kids can take a whole different path than what you wanted for them? And, and if, if you're a parent and you have teenagers, anybody got teenagers? Okay, when you got teenagers... Like your whole prayer life is, Lord, oh Lord, help them. Open their eyes to their foolishness because they think they know everything and they don't know anything about life yet. And your whole prayer life is you're praying not to hold, not to try to, you know, like I've never prayed in a way of like, God, don't let them, I don't want them to make me look bad. It's never been about me looking good or looking bad. I want them to follow God. More than anything in my entire life, I want my kids to be sold out to follow God. If they do that, I know everything else will be fine. If they will truly follow the Lord, everything else, because I know where they're going to, I know that I'm going to spend eternity with my kids. So, I'm continuously worried about their decision, but just because they grew up in a Christian home and because they have Christian parents doesn't make them do Christian things. So just because you have Christian parents, so one of the things that I'm wanting you to understand is just because Samuel was sold out to honor God did not make his children sold out to honor God. So just because you meet some, hey, just because uh, boys out there, just because you know, my, my daughters are, are belong to a pastor does not make them automatically Christians. I sure hope, I hope they are. sure hope that they follow the Lord, and I hope that they continue to follow the Lord. But just because somebody comes from a house and somebody has a last name does not make them. So your last name does not qualify you. 
A little bit further, 1 Samuel chapter 9. There was a Benjamin, so the, the, a Benjaminite. The, the first thing that God says, I want you to go and, and I want you to... So his sons didn't qualify. Then he says, well, I rejected him and I want you to go select a king. So as he went out, there was a man of standing whose name was Kish and goes all the way down to his son named Saul. A man of standing. The first thing I started thinking about as a man of standing is this. Being popular doesn't qualify you. Being a person of good standing. So like, here's the deal. If, if I were to say, hey, that is a young lady of good standing or, or a, a, a man of standing, a woman of standing, would mean that they held a, a popularity, really, among their peers. But does that make them follow the Lord? Just because it's... So here's the thing, is if it's a popularity contest, that does not qualify you. So if you like somebody and, and you look at them and say, hey, you know what? They come from a good bloodline. This isn't breeding cattle. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if, if you're looking for somebody just because of their last name or which house they came from, you're like, that's good stock. This isn't goats and horses and cows, all right? If you're looking for somebody who's popular, that doesn't make them qualify. Then it goes on, Saul... As handsome as a young man you could find anywhere in Israel. Being ridiculously good looking. Josh, right? Ridiculously good looking. I'm thinking of Zoolander. I'm sorry. I threw the ridiculous. You, you, you got that right. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I, I did that for you, Josh. I just wanted, I was like, oh, Josh will get this one. So. Being ridiculously good-looking does not qualify you. So just because somebody's super attractive, they, they're popular, and they come from a good house, does not automatically qualify them. Okay? And he was a head taller than everyone else. Just because he's bigger and stronger, or she's bigger and stronger than everyone else, does not qualify you. Your physical stature, your, 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 how you look, and whether you're popular, these things do not qualify qualify. The Lord rejected King Saul. Chapter 16, the Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? So Saul, he was the king. He was the one selected because he was a man of standing. He was ridiculously good looking. He was popular. He was a head taller than everyone else. And they said, wow, that must be the king. He's the king. So now God says, no, Saul is not. I've rejected Saul. I've rejected him as king. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So if your name... Well, he doesn't actually finish there. So he, he invites Jesse to the sacrifice. And then he says, I, I will show... He goes, invite Jesse. So this is the Lord still talking to Samuel. I'll invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. I want you guys... I highlighted that for a reason. Have you ever thought that maybe God should be a part of your affirmation in who you're choosing? Probably could have resolved a lot of problems earlier in our life if we would have said, Lord, is this the one? I mean, God is all-knowing. He's filled with wisdom. Do you think He knows the heart of the other person when you don't? He absolutely does. 
So if someone does not have a good heart and they're fooling you, who do you think knows about that? Maybe if you had a conversation with him before you jump into relationships, God, is this the one? What kind of a person am I connecting with here? So God tells Samuel, and this is going to be a very important point that we're going to have to come back to, you are to anoint for me, for me, the one I indicate. Not the one you indicate, the one I indicate. Think about it. If your name and who you belong to doesn't qualify you, then what does? If being popular doesn't qualify you, then what does? If, if being ridiculously good-looking doesn't qualify you, then what does? If, if, if being stronger and bigger than everyone else doesn't qualify you, then what does? And how do we determine what qualifies someone? See, that's the whole point. Those things shouldn't be the qualifying factors. God should be. God should be the qualifying factor. God, I don't know what's in that person's heart and what's in that person's mind. I don't know what their motivations are. I don't know what their intentions are. God, you do, and I need you. Before my wife and I actually started dating in college, we began to start praying together. So one of the things that I've noticed, the the difference, like Barbara and I, when we started, you know, when, when, when she showed up and, you know, first thing, I was, I was attracted to her, no doubt. But then what I started doing is I started spending some time with her and I got to know her. Now, back in our day, we didn't have cell phones. So it wasn't those dumb little texts like, hey, LOLs. Like, we actually laughed. You know, like, we'd be on the phone, we're like, hey, <laughs> you know, like, oh, you're funny, your laugh is funny. And then, you know what kids do today? They don't laugh. LOL. They say it. Haven't you seen some of your kids, like, they'll be talking, and instead of laughing, they'll go, LOL. And then they'll even do the LOL. I'm like, what? Is this sorcery? Like, just laugh or don't, right? But in my day, you had to pick up a phone and call someone. There was no texting. You had to, like, actually have a conversation, and you couldn't, you know, um, shorten it you couldn't use abbreviations for everything. LOL, MG, I don't even know what that means, but it means something, you know. I mean, like, you had to actually say words, and you had to group words together to make sentences, and they had to make sense, right? You guys, parents, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Back in the day, we even laughed. Barbara and I were laughing, and we are making fun of our kids. We do that all the time, too, so um, builds character. So we remember the days when you had those long little spirally cords, Right? And you had the really long ones that reached like from room to room and like you grab it and you're like walking through the house and around another room and then you find yourself in a closet and if you really want to know where the phone is, you just follow the cord. <laughs> He's in the closet talking to his friends, you know, and then everybody else goes to the other phone and they're like super quiet. <laughs> and what, when you're talking on the phone, you're like really trying to listen in, hey, who's on the phone? So like anytime my sister was talking to a boy, I was always on the other one. Like, and then she's like, who's on the phone? I'm like, oh. sorry, sorry, wrong number. You know, so, but nowadays they just text and send picture and Instagrams and pictures of kittens doing stupid stuff. You know, like, oh, this was funny. And like, there's no like depth. 
And what I'm wanting you to understand is that that's a dangerous place to be. And our phones have ruined what really relationships need to do. You need to get to the heart of the person. And you can't do that through kitten pictures. You can't do that through L-O-N and emojis and, and whatever the other dumb things that we use today. Or all the slang of like capping. I, you know what? Just say lie. It's really the actual word that we're supposed to use in society. But what happens is that we get in there and we have no depth. So what happens is that we don't know anything about them except for they know how to look up Instagram and Reels and TikTok videos. And they know how to make you laugh for, from their warped personalities. And, and they know how to text like not even congruent statements. You don't know where they really stand with God. You don't really know what they have a heart for. You don't know what their future is. And we compromise our futures all the time for somebody who's ridiculously good looking. Guys, there's a problem in our society because the one thing I can guarantee every one of you, at some point you're going to live in a home. And there's either going to be somebody with you or not somebody with you. But everyone has a home life. And how we make these decisions going to that place, we need to start getting to know people's hearts. And the person who knows the heart better than anyone is the Lord Almighty. That's why he tells Samuel, don't anoint somebody because they're tall and they're popular and they're good looking and they come from a family of good standing. You're going to anoint the person I tell you to anoint. You see, Samuel goes on in chapter 16. Samuel did exactly what the Lord said. So take note of that. Samuel did what God said. When he arrived to Bethlehem, the elders of the town, they trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Like, you know, the leader of all of Israel shows up to your small little humble town. What does this mean? He says, yes, I, yes in peace, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated. So he didn't consecrate the whole town. He told the whole town, everybody go consecrate yourself. Jesse, you and your sons, I'm going to consecrate you. Now, here's what's interesting. It says he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Even here, David is left out. David was not among the sons being consecrated. He's just an afterthought. To Samuel, he's an afterthought. Really, to Jesse, the father, and to the brothers, he's not even thought about. But he wasn't an afterthought to the Lord. Keep that in mind. So, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. He's the oldest son of Jesse, Eliab. And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me today. He saw and he thought. So it brings me to my first problem that we struggle with, Samuel thought. The problem is in the one doing the thinking. Here's what we do. We look at somebody and we think. We see them and we think. Here's the thing is you only see a portion of me. You see exactly what you're allowed to see in the time that you get to see me. Who do you think knows me better, you or the Lord? The Lord knows if I'm a fraud or not. You see what I'm saying? And so the thing is, is this. Samuel, he thought, he looked at somebody and goes, hmm, this is the Lord's anointed. Good thing that the Lord told him only anoint the one I indicate. You see what I'm saying? So, 
Started out really good. Took a turn when Samuel thought. He saw him and he thought. So the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider the appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The first thing I thought was like, why is he talking about his height? Because that was one of the things that Samuel saw in Saul, right? He sees Saul and he goes, oh, he's a head taller than everyone else. It must be him. Because he's taller than everybody. He's the king. See, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. You see that? I love that. The Lord does not look at the things people look at because people look at the outward appearance. He's telling us point blank right here. He goes, listen, God is trying to let all of you know, I'm looking at what you're not looking at. You're looking at an appearance. You're looking at an outward thing. I'm looking at the heart. Isn't that great? Isn't it great that I have a God who already knows the heart intentions of the person I'm attracted to? And you can't fool God. See, the second problem is what you are looking at. That's the second problem. What are you looking at? See, he says, right here he's saying, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look on the outward appearance. Okay, we're going to get to what he actually says here in a little bit. But So what, what characteristics are you looking for? See, I want you to think about this. If you're looking for a friend, looking for someone to hire, or you're looking for somebody that maybe you might spend the rest of your life with, that would be some of the questions I would be, uh, what am I looking for? I remember my grandma, she, she said, you know, Daniel, what are you looking for in a wife? I'm like, my first thing was, I hope she's smoking hot. I got lucky on that part, but... Like, that was the only, like, as a teenager, that was the only qualification I had. That's because I was dumb. Hence, I was a teenager. So the thing is, is that I, I had this, so, so what grandma did is she gave me this uh, bookmark. And she made sure that, like, where's your bookmark? The bookmark was, what should I be looking for in someone else? There was a pink one and a blue one. She gave the pink one to my sister and the blue one to me. I'm like, this is so dumb. I can't believe that grandma's giving me this. And then I look through them. And I'm like, well, those are pretty good characteristics. <laughs> that's not, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, one of the things that I, when, I, when I had met Barbara, then, then shortly after we, um, we went, um, I went to my dad's house and she ended up cooking dinner for me and my dad. I was like, oh, check that off the list. She's a cook. <laughs> yeah. I mean, guys, girls, that's important to a guy. Like, you can't eat fast food the rest of your life and every day. You can't afford that. And if you think you can, teenage, go back to teenage and, and okay. So, man, I'll tell you what. What am I looking for? What am I looking for in a friend? What am I looking for in, 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 in a soulmate? What am I looking for in, in somebody to do business with and partner with and work with? What, what kind of neighbor am I looking for? And, and it always can come right back to what kind of neighbor do I want to be and what kind of um, husband do I think I should be? Because everything that I start thinking out loud this way should always circle back and come right back into me. Because I can tell you this, I was not a good husband until I really wanted to be. Just ask my wife. There was a, a season that I was not the greatest husband. 
I was seeking to be the best pastor. And what I found is this, when I really started saying, I want to be who God created me to be, and God created me to be a man of God, he created me to be the husband to my wife and a father to my children, that was when I actually started being a good pastor, when I focused on those three, because the other was just, a, it was just a natural result of that. So, all right, so this is what the Lord does. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. The Lord, or people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So our third problem in relationship seeking is this. Third problem, looking for all the wrong things. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Okay, so anyways, so we, we have this habit of that we are looking for all these wrong things because people have a tendency to look at the outward appearance we're looking at this outward thing and we're looking for, hey, I want them to be good looking. I want them to come from the right breeding stock. I want them to, to be stronger and taller and bigger. And I want them to be popular. We're looking for all the wrong characteristics. Kids, tell me that I'm wrong. Because that's exactly what kids and teenagers are doing. That person's super popular. Oh, I hope I can go out with them. You know what it means to be popular is that you're doing what everybody else wants you to do, and that's why they like you. That's not a great, necessarily a great, I would rather people like me because I'm doing the right thing. But that doesn't always lead to popularity. So let me tell you, let's take this to the New Testament. See, you're looking for all the wrong things, and I want you guys, you can fool people. You can fool the person you're trying to entrap right? But you can't fool God. I mean, you, that's what I want you to see is like, in relationships, you know, here's the thing is, is that, you know, I can pour on some charm, and I can be funny, and I can, I can you know, I can sweep Barbara off of her feet, but the thing is, I, I can fool her, but I sure can't fool God, because he knows exactly what's in my heart. And if she is seeking God, she can find out from God whether I'm real or not. Don't give your heart away too soon. So here's what the Proverbs 31 says. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I don't want you to look at this. So here's the thing is women aren't the only ones who can be charming. And men can not be beautiful, but they can be good looking. See, one of the things that I want to warn you about is charm. Charming, having a charming personality leads to deception or fooling you. To charm someone is like putting a spell on them. What I've, and I'm using these words on purpose. When you go to the Hebrew word for charm, it actually is connected to witchcraft. Have you ever met somebody who was just super funny and, and they, were, they, were, they were just so easy to connect with and they just said all the right things and, then, and you just felt so connected to them, right? And you're just like, oh, you got to be careful. Because here's the, one of the things is that I, I'm pretty charming. I can get myself out of a lot of trouble. Really, I can get myself just in just as fast as trouble. But you got to be careful that, 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 that you understand that somebody can come in there and they can deceive you with their charm. Flirting, being funny, being elegant. And the other thing it says is this. Outward beauty doesn't last. Beauty is fleeting. And I will tell you this. If you've ever met somebody that was super, super beautiful, but on the inside they had a really ugly heart, that beauty didn't really last on the outside to you. 
They could be the most beautiful person in the entire world. You're like, wow, they're on every magazine. But if they have a truly ugly heart, you will never really be that attracted to them. Your attraction will fade. See, what the Lord is trying to teach us, this, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being pretty. There's nothing wrong with being attracted to somebody. But here's the thing is that attraction won't last if you're not attracted to their heart. You have to be attracted to both for it to last. Ask anyone who's been married a long time. You need both. I need to be attracted to them, but I also need to be attracted to their heart, outward and inward. But here's the other part. The most important part is this. A woman who fears the Lord should be praised. Here's the thing. Fearing God is to place God above all other things, to love Him most. But here's the problem with so many young people. They begin to have an infatuation and obsession with their boyfriend or their girlfriend more than they have for God. And when the moment that happens, that person is now an idol. And God won't bless that relationship. You know the most dangerous words I ever hear young people say? You're my whole world. What? If a boy is your whole world, your whole world sucks. And vice versa. If Barbara was my whole world, if she was my whole world, my life would be miserable. Not because she makes me miserable, but my life is revolved around the wrong things. See, God, who is your life, God is my life. God is my obsession. He's my first love. That's how it works. The greatest commandment of the word, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. So if God is not first and you've placed any human being above them, that person, you're worshiping them. Bad place to be. Bad place to be. See, I want to look for somebody who fears the Lord. One of the things that I will never, and if it means that I, I've, I've thought about this a lot, because I know that one day I'm going to have boys showing up to my house, and they're going to come to me, and they're going to say, I want to ask for the hand of your, your daughter. And any boyfriend that walks in the doors, the first thing that they have to understand is that if I don't think you love the Lord more than you love my daughter... I will never give you permission, even if that means I'm cut out. I can't do it. I can't say yes if you don't love God more. Because if you don't love God more, then you're never going to be able to love my daughter the way that she deserves to be loved and how God tells us to love. You can't do it. It's impossible. So then what happens is this. The first thing, the first sign, if I was looking for a sign in the who the someone is, their relationship with God. Too many people start liking God because you like God and they like you. Right? So what happens is when, 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 when boys and girls start popping into church because you're in church, I want to know, do they love God? Or do they like you, and you like God, so therefore they like God. It has to be a real relationship. It has to be real. It can't be fake. It has to be real. Do they really love God? 
Do they fear him before you met them? Did they attend church before you met them? Did they talk like a Christian before you met them? Did they behave like a follower before you met them? Don't compromise because someone's good looking. Do they fear the Lord? That's sign number one. Then we can start talking. Here's another passage. Wives, this is 1 Peter 3. I forgot to put the where it's at. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see. I'm going to go into what they're going to see. But guys, this is not just like, yes, this is a passage for wives, but is a wife the only one who could win someone over without words? How many wives, if your man was just a, a godly good man and he didn't have to say anything, would you like it if he sometimes didn't say anything and he just won you over without words but just with his a- actions? How many wives would like that? And Barbara, put your, put, put your hand out. <laughs> so what I want to do is I'm going to tell you about the art of winning others without words because this, I'm just going to use the passage. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Now, verse 2, it says this. They may be won over without words by their behavior of their wives when they see purity and reverence. Purity and reverence. Wow. Purity and reverence. You know, my grandma, I loved when, when, when grandma would tell me, I can't find my, there he is. I can't, um, would always tell me about how her and grandpa met, and one of the things that she was drawn to the most, you know, yes, she had a physical attraction, but she goes, you know what really struck her first was how he treated, how he honored his mother and his dad, and how he talked about his siblings. She says, you know, that moment I knew that he would be a good family man, and if I was ever to go be with somebody, we were going to have a family. So if he doesn't know how to honor his mom and dad, and he doesn't know how to be kind to his siblings, then why would you think he's going to be good to you and your children? Woo, come on, somebody. Right? Right? So the purity and reverence. So does the person that you're interested in, do they care about their own purity? Do they care about their own integrity and their own character? Do they, care, do they have reverence for their parents and their families and God in their life? Okay? Beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles, wearing gold jewelry, and fine clothes. This is, of course, written in the first century. Today, you know what we like to do? We like to wear the least amount of clothes to try to attract the opposite sex. Ladies, I need you to hear me. Because, I mean, you know, I don't usually see guys walking around with crop tops and, you know, leggings that are three sizes too small. Listen, Victoria's Secret has no secrets. They're all out. Okay, they're out. They're out. If you are trying to attract a boy by what you're wearing, I promise you, you'll attract the wrong boy, not the boy you want. Because if, if you're looking for a godly man... He's looking for a godly girl. Now, if a boy comes around and he says he's a Christian and he loves the Lord and he loves that you're showing all your stuff to everybody, he ain't godly at all. He's a liar, a fraud. Because 
The girls should be chasing after purity and reverence, and that's what the boys should be chasing after. When you're trying to draw attention, girls, respect yourself enough. Respect yourself enough not to show anything. And girls, don't give anything. If a boy is pressuring you to do something you know you shouldn't do, he ain't worth it. He's not worth it. If he doesn't respect you, if he doesn't respect you and your purity, you don't want him. Boys, if you do not have respect for God's daughter, his creation, may him deal with it. May he deal with you. Rather, it should be from an inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. This, God's telling us, he's giving us a glimpse what he sees, what, what, when he sees something, he goes, this is great worth to God. An inner beauty, an unfading beauty of an inner self. Gentle, quiet, not trying to draw attention to ourselves. Pure with reverence. That's what God is seeking. And a godly man should be seeking the same thing. Jesus said this to the Pharisees in Matthew 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside are filled with greed and self-indulgence. See, here's the thing. is It's so key to know what is on the inside of the heart. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean. Woe to you teachers of the law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. They would paint the outside of the tomb to make it look pretty, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you're full of bones of the dead and everything that's unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Hmm. So the first question that we're going to start closing with, the worship team or however we're doing that today, I forgot to ask, what qualities do you have? I want you to first, the first question, set a question I want you to ask yourself is, what qualities do I have? Am I the kind of person that others should look for? If not, then let's fix that starting now, right? You don't have to continue to be that other person that you don't want to be. You can start changing that anytime you choose because God can change your heart. You just ask. So if you're looking at yourself and say, man, these are not, I, I don't have the kind of qualities. I, I don't know that I'm the kind of man that fits the bill of being. You know, I, I remember my, my grandma said a lot of things relationally to me because I was really dumb. I was in college and I was a junior before I met Barbara. And I was like, I called grandma. I'm like, grandma. I'm so scared. What if I don't get married? What if I don't get married before I leave college? And she goes, what? And I'm like, Grandma, I'm pastoring small country churches. Like, the pond changes greatly when I leave college. We're going from like a big lake to a, to a pond, and I'm, I'm afraid. What's going to happen? You know, am I going to be single the rest of my life? You know, my grandma said, you know what, Daniel? If you focus more time on you becoming the man that God has you for, to, for, you know, that God wants you to be for that woman that he already has in mind for you, maybe right now the reason why he's not bringing it is because you're not the one you're supposed to be yet. 
Maybe if you'd focus on you and say, God, change me, then he'll, when you're ready, he'll bring her along. Quit rushing God. Work on you. So what are the qualities that I'm looking for in others? One, do they love God above everything else? This is just a recap. Do they value their own purity? And do they value yours? Do they honor their parents and treat their siblings well? And do they respect themselves and how they present themselves? And above all, what does God say about them? Has He, God, indicated to you that they qualify? So I want you to bow your heads this morning and I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to ask the first question and the most important question and that circles on you and your heart. Do you qualify? Are you the kind of person that other people should be looking for? Are you the kind of friend that should join a circle of influence? A lot of us straddle the fence. At church, we act like a Christian. At school, we act like something else. At church, we act like a Christian, but at work, we talk like someone else. At church, we act like a follower of Christ, but at home, we treat our spouse and our children differently. So let's start with us. God knows your heart right now. He knows your heart. He knows your heart. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many of you today would say, I need a change of heart. I need God to change my heart. He sees it. Nobody else is looking. It's just me. God, I need a heart change. I need that heart change. Well, then let's ask for it right here. God, change my heart. God, work on me. Help me. Turn me around. Maybe some of you have found yourself in a circle of friends that don't love God, don't act like God is in their life at all. And maybe you need to make a change in who you chose to surround yourself with. That's sometimes a hard decision to make. Sometimes to say, I gotta, I gotta find a different circle right now. I need to find some people who truly love God. And I want to be around people who love God. Maybe that's where you're at. The altar is open. Maybe there's some things going on in your life that had nothing to do with the word today and you just need to lay some things down. If you need a heart change, you need to seek God's counsel for the people that are in your life. 